Amanda Slim. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And we are speaking to you right now live from the middle of New York Fashion Week. Live as in it's happening, not live as in we're going. Because are we going? Are we there? Is the Fashion Week in the room with us right now? No, she is not. And that's okay. Because, you know, honestly, at least for me, after watching The Hills and like The Devil Wears Prada, I just don't know if it's my scene because I have this very genuine fear of like, what if I go to like a Tom Brown show and I'm sitting next to like Lee Pace and like I would freak out if his thigh touched my thigh. I mean, I would be asking what his squat routine is because his thighs, gorgeous. I know he's got some goblet squats in there. (laughs) I do have to admit, Fashion Week might be in the room with us right now. For me, (gasps) at least. I went to a Fashion Week party last night. One of my besties from college is the music editor at Nylon. And Nylon threw a party that was hosted by Jay Balvin. Um, This is my first and I think only Fashion Week event because I expected to see, like, Rihanna. Mm. But... All I saw were influencers and then Lucas Gage from White Lotus. But speaking of Rihanna, Candace, do you remember that movie Ocean's 8? It's like a feminist redoing of Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Oh, yeah. And it was the one that was starring said Rihanna as like a computer hacker, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like that movie is maybe actually a foretelling of the future because there seems to be some some thievery, some crimes going on during New York Fashion Week. Are we talking about the tabby swiper? We are talking about the tabby swiper, that cloven-footed <laughs> thief. So, a person on TikTok named Lexus, their username is Next Level Lexus, posted an extremely wild story that begins with a New York City meet cute. It's gonna go bad very quickly. She's walking down the street. She makes eye contact with a cute guy. And that guy is, you know, definitely checking her out too. But, you know, when you live in New York, you have to keep it moving. You see a beautiful person on the street every three seconds. You can't stop and say hi to all of them. And she kind of lets it go. Until she gets a Tinder notification. And it's that guy from the street. And he's like, hey, I think I saw you today. Okay. First off, Rachel, I just want to ask, is this creepy or is this cute? So they had apparently matched already. And he realized that he saw her on the street. Which I've definitely seen people I've matched with on the street. Would I say anything about it? No. I don't think it's creepy but i also don't think it's cute it's like i'm not gonna yuck anybody's yum get in where you fit in there's a lid for every pot but this is not the lid for my pot but apparently it was the lid for lexus's because lexus and this guy joshua they link up they go on a date it's going well she brings him back to her place and you know in the parlance of our ancestors they go to third base (laughs) and the next morning they go to third base again home run home runs across the board. But he ends up, as as men do, kind of overstaying his welcome. She starts getting the ick, and she's like, can you leave? And finally, he leaves. And Lexis, she's cleaning up her place when she looks over at her standing rack of shoes. And she's like, wait a minute. 
my shoes are missing. My tabbies are missing. And for visual context, okay, these are Mason Margella Mary Janes, and they kind of have like a toe divider in the middle of the shoe. So I'm going to be honest, they kind of look like hooves. We're talking like Mr. Tumnus Chronicles of Narnia style. And they also cost like over $900. So they are not cheap. Every time I find out how much tabbies cost, I question both my sense of style and other people's. But that's not what's important here because these tabbies are kind of a New York fashion who's who type of shoe. Plus, importantly, Lexus's dad bought these as a birthday gift. So Lexus is freaking out. She's looking for the tabbies and then the flashbacks arrive. She's like Raven from That's So Raven. The post-nut clarity, she's here. And Lexus remembers that last night, Joshua definitely brought up tabbies. He was like, I really want to get some tabby boots. And he seemed like a fashion guy. He's, if you live in New York, you know exactly what he looks like. He has a mustache. He has piercings. He has, you know, a low cut fade. He's wearing the infamous Target tank top. So (laughs) none of this really struck her as odd that he would bring up tabbies. Mm -hmm. So she tries to like contact her first witness. She goes back on Tinder and she's scrolling through her matches when lo and behold, guys, he unmatched her. So she goes to her call log because they had like a phone call at some point and his number is gone. And my girl Lexus, she's sitting here trying to figure it out. Like, did I delete his number already? But then she remembers there was this weird part when I was trying to get him to leave when he wanted to show me a playlist but he didn't have Spotify. So he asked me if he could borrow my phone and scroll through Spotify. And he scrolls, scrolls, scrolling through a phone, but can't find the playlist. But Lexus is like, wait a minute, he wasn't on Spotify. He was deleting his number from my phone. It is red flag city. Because not only did this guy probably steal her tabbies, but he was like intimate with her and he ghosted her. And he committed thievery? So now it's like, how do you even track this guy down? Well, we live in a post-West Elm Caleb society, so she does what any girly in the city does, which is make a TikTok about it. And it works, because all of a sudden, there are multiple people coming forward saying, hey, I think I know this Mm -hmm. guy. And people are telling Lexus that Joshua has a girlfriend. And they know his girlfriend. And they also know that he recently gave her a pair of Mary Jane tabbies. Lexus's tabbies. He re-gifted to his girlfriend almost immediately after sleeping with her. Which, listen, I don't condone crimes, but if you're going to do a crime, do it smartly. Wait for the heat to die down before you give the shoes away. Like, (laughs) my God, Jesus Christ. So the tabby swiper, which is what he's now known as, is public enemy number one. And he sees the TikTok. So he contacts Lexus because he still has her number. And at first, he won't admit that he did anything wrong. He's like, I would never do that. How dare you accuse me of this? But Lexus is a detective. She sends him a screenshot of his girlfriend wearing the tabbies. And he's like, I, you got me, which is dastardly. And he promises to return them with the condition that she removes the TikTok. She does not remove the TikTok because it's a free country, but she does get her tabbies back. And Lexus claims that as of this week, 
the girlfriend is no longer in the picture. You know, the girlfriend did not know how he got the tabbies. Therefore, she did not know that he cheated to obtain said tabbies. And I will admit that I was a bit hesitant to talk about the story because I was like, ah, what if this is made up? What if this was done for clicks? And my eyebrows were definitely raised because Lexus did talk to Vogue and it was mentioned a few times that she's like the owner and designer of like a knitwear brand. But Lexus on TikTok, she addressed my concerns. She said, no, trust me, this is real. And this Joshua guy has done this many, many times before. So first off, I do love how this blew up on Twitter. Like the way people were immediately calling him the tabby swiper was very, very funny to me. But this is also like such a niche. If you know, you know story. So Rachel, what was your reaction to all of this? Like, do you think we should be giving the Joshua guy the West Elm Caleb treatment? importantly at this point if you've listened to the show you know I don't even know if West Elm Caleb should have gotten the West Elm Caleb treatment like Mm. Caleb did not deserve everything that happened to him he certainly did not deserve his job corporation making a joke of what happened on TikTok so all that aside Joshua however committed crimes and importantly he tried to lie to cover up those crimes if he had just given back the tabbies then I would have been like you know what this is just a humorous TikTok and maybe you don't need to show his face but the fact that he lied and made her do more investigative work makes me think you know what you deserve your spot to be blown up because if he's doing this now and it seems like he's done it before he might do it again and I think it's fair for girls to be you know hiding their tabbies when boys come over. Uh Uh-huh. And I also have to say that I didn't love the discourse about like, oh, Lexus shouldn't have slept with him. Oh, he's just like this poor guy who loves his girlfriend so much. And it's like, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. He did two wrongs for one right. Okay, he cheated on his girlfriend and stole in order to give his girlfriend a gift, like, at least Robin Hood was one for one, okay? He balanced the scales. This was a tipping of the scales. And the way that he basically laughed at Lexus's face, the way he used a Drewski meme after admitting he did it, this is unserious behavior. But it does also make me ask the question, Rachel, okay? If your partner or boyfriend or, like, co-host really, really, really wanted, let's say, Jordans, okay? Would you lie, cheat, and steal from me? Um, This is all hypothetical because I will not be caught slipping um, on this here podcast. I will say it depends who currently owns the Jordans. Oh. If it's, you know, someone I respect... I probably won't steal. Let's imagine we're in the world of succession. If I end up at Kendall Roy's apartment, I will 100% steal you a pair of Jordans from his massive shoe closet. Yeah, of course I would. Allegedly, hypothetically. Oh my God. And I allegedly, hypothetically find that so sweet. And thank you so much, Rachel. I'm touched. You're welcome. But I really feel like this is the extent some people will go for love. And I will say... Another question that's kind of been making me asking is like, okay, how far would you go to, let's say, look, eat, dress like, feel like, oh, I don't know, your favorite influencer? Because I imagine that if you saw Lexus's video on TikTok, you might also be someone who has seen a little company called Bloom on your For You page. And guess what? You are not the only one. We recently got an email from one of our listeners, Drew, who wrote, 
please, please, please cover Bloom, the green powder mix that has taken over TikTok. I cannot watch any creator without seeing that damn green label. What is it? Does it work? Is it an MLM scheme? Help! And Drew, we are going to answer those questions for you because on today's show, we're talking about Bloom, the green powder that every influencer seems to be shelling. But is it the green powder you should be inhaling? After the break, we're going to ask health and wellness writer Julia Craven why Bloom has bloomed so quickly and what we should know before we fall for its extremely clever marketing tactics. All that after a short break. Hi, y'all. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening to ICYMI, then welcome. We're so thrilled to have you here in case you missed it. Our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So make sure you never miss an episode like this past Wednesdays, which was an episode from one of our incredible sister podcasts, The Waves. It was all about the concept of the Toronto man. You'll definitely want to check it out. And we're back with Julia Craven. She is a senior writer and editor with New America's Better Life Lab. She's also the genius behind Salt and Yams, a newsletter dedicated to Black health modalities. You've heard her here on the podcast before. And she's back. Hi, Julia. Hi. How are y'all? Very good. Very excited to talk to you because... You wrote this piece for The Cut. It's called Our Green Powder's Worth It. And you basically take us through the very real questions that we should all really be asking before we buy or try a green powder or supplement or anything that literally screams MLM. I mean, some of the questions that your piece brought up were like, does this stuff actually work? What's in the powder? Does the FDA care or regulate about this stuff? And so I wanted to start by asking what was kind of the impetus for writing this piece? What drew you in? Have you tried these green powders before? What's kind of like your own experience walking in? Yeah. So I wanted to write this piece for really the simple fact that I like writing for the cut. I like the editor over there and they're very open to these like kind of niche wellness pieces that question whether or not this is something that we should be doing or something that we should be consuming or just interrogating wellness a bit further. And I kept seeing bloom on fucking TikTok and I'm just like, every influencer is doing this green powder. And I had been reporting on health and wellness products for a while. And I was like, this is probably BS. If it's anything like most supplements, it's not going to be something worth using. Uh, and so that's how I came to the story. And yes, I have tried green powders before. I have tried amazing greens, which is disgusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I've also tried athletic greens, which is actually pretty tasty and probably the only one on the market that actually probably is like 90% of what they say it is. Did you feel different? Did it quote unquote work in your opinion? Uh, No, I didn't feel different, but I did like the way that it tasted. Um, Like I would just have it in the morning with some coconut water and it was just really tasty. Like it was a way to make my morning tea. So I have ginger tea every morning. Like it's, it's not negotiable. And then sometimes I'll have like a coconut water after that. And so it just made the coconut water more of like a 
interesting, fun experience. It was a little bit different. I only did it for like a month or so um, because it's also like a whopping $100 a month. And I just couldn't justify that cost, even though it was it was very tasty. Importantly, before we kind of get into Bloom, which I think is the main company we're going to be discussing today, green powders aren't really that new, right? Despite how big Bloom and Athletic Greens are and how big they've gotten in the last few years. What do you think has kind of caused this, let's say, Bloom? Yeah, so I think, so no, they're not really new. Um, greens powders have been around for a while, uh, just to, I'm not sure when Bloom came on the market, but just like, you know, for the sake of continuity, Athletic Greens came on the market somewhere between 2010 and 2012. And there were brands who were making greens powders before that. So this isn't a new concept, but I think the rise is due to a few things. One of them being just like TikTok, social media, um, you see like this influencer who's typically very physically attractive, um, usually also quite thin. Um, and the desire for thinness plays a really big role in the use of these supplements. I think that that's just very important to note. And so you see a lot of these people who you may want to be like or who influence you or you just see something about their lives that you want to replicate yourself. And so you go for it. And then also post COVID, there was like this massive spike in like health. <laughs> and it's like being healthy, taking care of yourself. It was everywhere. It was more ubiquitous than it was before the pandemic. And so I think those two things plus accessibility. So like you can buy Bloom at Target, for example, you don't have to order it. You can just run down the street and pick it up or you can order it. And then there's all of these discount codes and, you know, I don't know, the shit might be on Amazon. Don't buy supplements off Amazon, though. But, you know, it's just way more accessible and now it's everywhere. So I think that that's playing a role. Plus this increased population level desire to be healthy. I think a lot of what you're hitting at, too, is also so prevalent and just like kind of amongst that like millennial Gen Z type of age range. And when it comes to Bloom, which we're kind of here to talk about, you know, this is a brand that we think is just like very beloved by influencers. You know, it was started in 2019 by a fitness influencer named Mari Llewellyn and her husband, Greg Lavecchia. Interestingly enough, this is not their first company. They've done stuff like she has a fitness app called Slay. Okay. And then she apparently started a company before that where she would sell resistant bands and literal PDFs of workout plans from her house. Like they've created this very weird conglomerate empire. But for some reason, Bloom is the one that's really taken off to the point of like maybe cult favorite status because, you know, Alex Earl, for example, has been seen using it in her videos. It's this brand that our listeners have specifically been asking us about. And on TikTok, the hashtag Bloom has more than 2.6 billion views. Bloom Greens has more than 158 million views. It's kind of this whole ecosystem. But, you know, Julia, you are someone who is really well versed in the health and wellness space. Do you remember the first time you came across Bloom as a company? And just what were your kind of initial impressions of the brand itself? I first came across Bloom. It was definitely around the time I got on TikTok. So I was kind of a late TikToker. Um, mm -hmm. I got on like late 2020. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of bullied on because people <laughs> kept sending me TikTok. <laughs> and so once I finally got on there, I started um, seeing Bloom powders. Um, and my initial thought was like, 
okay, it's another wellness supplement. It's probably not like harmful, but it's also very unlikely something that people need to invest their money in. And I stand by that just on greens, powders across the board. You can get better results from just eating a lot of vegetables if those are available to you. But the one thing that did make Bloom unique was just how it was everywhere. And I noticed that it was more affordable than a lot of other options. Um, not like the ones that you can just go get in Wegmans or whatever per se, but it is like, what, $20 a can or something like that versus, again, like Athletic Greens. And so that was very, very fascinating to me that they were marketing this product as not only being something that's going to help you be super healthy and help you feel better and reduce bloating, but that it was also very cheap. It's really interesting because I went on Bloom's website and it doesn't really strike me as anything much different from any other kind of millennial forward company. Like the labels are very cute and fun. One of their best-selling powders is like you said, it's pretty cheap. It's like $40 for the little tin and you take a scoop of it and you mix it in some water. The thing is I have IBS. I've said this on the podcast before, specifically IBS-C, which means I'm constantly looking for ways to get fiber in my diet and usually Mm -hmm. in a very organic way. And so my thought process behind green powders has always been, oh, this is going to add a fair amount of fiber into whatever you're doing. But the powder has less than three grams of fiber per serving, as does the athletic greens powder, which seems really low for something that's supposed to be adding fruits and veggies and nutrition into your daily habit. Like it really doesn't feel that much different from just making a smoothie with frozen fruit and like adding some chia seeds and some coconut water like that will probably give you the same amount of benefits as this kind of not super expensive, but not cheap powder. And so what is the point of this? Yeah. So you would get more fiber from the smoothie, just FYI, because you would be keeping like it would have the skin and all of that stuff on it. So you would be getting more fiber by blending up whole foods in a smoothie. But the point is money because that's the point of everything. Like it's money, it's marketing and it's great marketing too, right? It's like you said, it's very millennial core, very cute. It's like, oh, like these nice round fonts and these little flowers and hearts. And like, I take my little um, coffee whisk thing mm-hmm. and I like blend it up in my water in the morning. Um, and so all of it is very much like associating health with money <laughs> and just trying to like come into your pocketbooks basically. But you don't need green powders. You could take that $40 and um, go to the grocery store and it would health wise that would take you further. I definitely want to talk more about this marketing because I think something that's kind of struck all three of us is the fact that like the way that Bloom and Bloom partners, so like influencers that they pay to kind of talk about them, like navigate TikTok is so weird because a lot of times if you see videos that have like hashtag Bloom partners on them, a lot of times they don't talk about the product. They'll talk about stuff like, hey guys, here's a date where the guy ghosted me afterwards. And then you'll just see them making Bloom powder drinks in the background. And it's so wild to me, but I guess it works. And what's just so interesting is that these people, they're just going about their day. At some point, they just like randomly pull out like a little hand whisk and a little glass of water. They make their goo. It's so seamless. And it's actually maybe really clever as well, because depending on how long the video caption is or how many hashtags there are on the video, 
you might not even see that hashtag bloom partner if you're not looking for it. You may not even notice that you are being influenced. And so we kind of just wanted to get your thoughts on Bloom's influencer marketing and whether you think it differs at all from any other wellness brands out there. Yeah, I think it does. Their influencer marketing team is fucking outstanding because it's everywhere. Like y'all said, like, I mean, they, (laughs) they got Alex Earl doing it. They have, um, really like any fitness person, particularly like a woman, any fitness girly who has over like 40,000 followers, like she's probably a bloom partner. And so I, I don't really know how they're doing it, but they have done a really good job at just coming into the market, um, at again, a lower price point, a cuter aesthetic really, really getting into these influencers, finding influencers who are willing to market the product and then using that to, you know, segue into being in Target. And I really do think that that lower price point, though, is a big, big reason why they're everywhere versus some of the other ones on the market. And I've never tried Bloom. It probably tastes good. People say it tastes pretty good. And so that's another thing too, right? Like you don't taste it and it's just like, like, oh my God, it's like wheatgrass and, and celery. And it's like, this is disgusting. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like a blah, 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 blah answer to your question. No, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. All the things that you're pointing to, the lower price point, the accessibility, the fact that it doesn't make you want to bomb when you drink it, really goes a long way in explaining Bloom's popularity. But, and I'm willing to be wrong here, but I will say all of that makes me think it can't actually be that good for you. If I make a green juice at home with, you know, celery, kale, ginger, whatever, without any added sweeteners, it's going to taste like blended vegetables, which is good if that's your thing. But I can't imagine parents feeding that to young children in the way that I have seen parents feeding bloom to their toddlers on TikTok, which really makes me wonder, how can this be so cheap, be so accessible, be so tasty? And still be that good for you? Well, okay. So (laughs) I don't necessarily know how it could be so cheap. But one thing that these companies do is they use proprietary blends. And so this is a blend of a whole bunch of different stuff. So it's like mushrooms and celery and kale and broccoli. And it's like all of that is in the blend, but you don't necessarily know how much of what is in there. And so the Bloom powders, it does have stevia in it, uh, about 95 milligrams per serving, it seems like. So that's going to give it like a cuter taste (laughs) than, say, the amazing greens that you get out the store or um, an option that is like sugar or sweetness free. Um, This also has matcha in it, which would probably give it like a little interesting taste. It has a lot of fruit powders that would also probably help with the taste quite a bit. Um, but again, because these are proprietary blends, you only know what's in the blend and how much of that blend is in the whole product, but you don't know how much of each individual ingredient is in each blend. And so you don't actually really know what you're getting, like the green superfood blend. It's barley, spirulina, wheatgrass, alfalfa, and cholera, but that could just all be like cholera powder. Or like cholera powder could be 90% of it. There's like no real way of knowing um, because they don't break those things down. And when a company doesn't break those things down, 
that's a reason to be a little bit skeptical because you don't exactly know what is in this product. And if you don't know what's in the product, how do you know if it can actually do the things that they claim it does, right? So again, like to go back to that greens blend, if that's like mostly broccoli, how is this like not going to bloat me? Like, yes, it is. <laughs> it's going to bloat me real bad, actually. <laughs> it gives the illusion of transparency. But when you actually step back and like really assess everything, you don't exactly know what it is that you're putting into your body. And I think that one of the one of the things that has been very interesting to me um, has always been how these greens powders are used and promoted by people who care a lot about what they put into their bodies and they talk about caring a lot what they put into their bodies. And I think it's wonderful to care about what you put into your body. We absolutely should. But then there's that step back and giving that critical analysis to these greens powders and like these marketing schemes. Um, well, I don't want to call it a scheme that's accusatory. They, they're not, they, I doubt they're doing anything illegal. These market, <laughs> these marketing, um, practices, mm-hmm. um, is just very interesting. And that leads people who are more skeptical to think that, you know, maybe this is just about marketing and money versus an actual push for better health in the population. And we're going to take a short break here. But when we come back, we're going to talk about why bloom and green powders probably aren't the cure-all that they claim to be on an individual or systemic level. And we're back with Julia Craven. So we had a listener who asked whether Bloom was an MLM. And I first want to note that we are not accusing Bloom of being an MLM. We are not the reporters to do that. But I think I know why they asked that question. And it's probably because influencing can sometimes feel that way. And when a huge number of influencers are pushing this product you've like never heard of, it can just feel like guerrilla marketing. I also think it's maybe a reflection of the stories that so often underlie these kinds of companies. So let's talk about Mari for a second. We had a listener who asked us, you know, whether Bloom is an MLM, allegedly. But like, and we thought it was really funny because, you know, I think a reflection of that kind of guerrilla marketing is so prevalent here. But I also think it's a reflection of the story that so often underlies these kinds of companies. So Mari, for example, this is from the website of Bloom. And this is about Mari's story. It says, quote, at 250 pounds, Mari hit rock bottom, both mentally and physically. She decided to take ownership of her health. And with the help of her now husband, Greg, she was able to lose 90 pounds and finally find self-love. Fitness helped Mari bloom into her best self, and she was inspired to help other women do the same. So that's on their website. And despite the kind of very modern design, you know, the company's founded on probably the same principles as every other wellness company since the days of like Jenny Craig. You know, here's this woman. She's the face of our company. She's hit rock bottom because she gained some weight. But guess what? There's some miracle happening here. She lost weight now and she has this guide and this product to help you do the same. So like you too can bloom into your best self. And the questions that like we should be asking are like, one, is she a nutritionist? Is she like a certified personal trainer? The answer to both of those is no. But I think 
that's maybe what makes this whole thing feel most like an MLM to us. You know, this kind of like unqualified, charismatic leader just kind of like selling their lifestyle to us. But I don't know. Is it really that much different than like other wellness influencers, you know, because I think there's just kind of this weird ecosystem where we're just kind of like going after an image because we think the screen powder will solve it. But it's like, is it? Are we getting there? What's the message, you know? I mean, I think the message is money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, you're right. Like people are currently selling an image and that is not radically different than anything that we've ever seen before. Like, I mean, if you've seen Mad Men, you know that advertising and marketing is just all about an image. And that's something that we've been doing since the marketing boom back in like the 50s or 60s or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the biggest thing for me about these greens powders is I just want people to like realize that these are not magic potions and living in a capitalist society has made us very, very accustomed to quote unquote quick fixes and wanting them and being able to hop online and find something that will fix our problem, um, or it claims that it'll fix a problem. And so I think because of that, we've kind of gotten to a place where we want to do that with our bodies and our health. And it's like, yeah, that's not really how it works. And there's also only so much control that you have over that anyway. Again, I don't know about an MLM, though. I'm not I'm not the reporter for that. I don't know how to work. <laughs> <laughs> but I think MLM aside, like I do think that it's good for people to be skeptical of this stuff, because if it sounds too good to be true, it, it probably is. And I mean, we clearly are, you know, three skeptics of this entire <laughs> enterprise. Um, but I guess giving people who buy bloom powder some credit because they saw Alex Earl drink it. It is true that like somewhere around less than 10% of Americans are getting enough fruits and vegetables in their diet because one, you might live in a food desert, so you don't have access to fruits and vegetables. To, quite frankly, it's just not easy to feed yourself if you're working a 40 to 60 hour work week, trying to have a personal life and also attempting to sleep right. eight hours a night. And that's if you're single and you don't have children. So right. bloom and green powders kind of remind me of the girl dinner trend, not just because they both annoy me, but because like the positive thing about girl dinner is that it takes into account that the choice isn't always between quote unquote healthy meal and like a non-healthy meal. Sometimes the choice is really between not eating and eating half a jar of olives and some crackers and cheese over a sink. And I think it's generally better to just eat something than nothing. And I see supplements and powders as the same, but importantly, as you mentioned in your cut piece, there are cheaper ways to have the shortcut that Bloom is offering, right? Oh, absolutely. And so I'm really glad you asked this question. And so this is like the main thing that myths me about all of these supplements and stuff. Like, because yes, some of them are good and some of them are very useful. Um, I've written about supplements on my newsletter, um, Salt and Yams. And one of the arguments that I made there is that for certain portions of the population, Supplements can be a really good thing. And that's if you live under food apartheid, if you are low income, if you don't have access to quality um, whole foods, supplements can help fill the gaps in your diet. Um, or if you are like me and like you have migraines, like 
magnesium is going to be like a big help to you, FYI. Um, and so there are these instances where it can be quite helpful, but I think the focus shouldn't be on, well, how can I like create a product to sell to people and present it as a quick fix? We have to focus on the systemic issues that prevent people from being able to take care of themselves in the first place. Like the solution rather is not a greens powder. The solution is ending food apartheid. The solution is paying people a living wage so that they can afford food. The solution is figuring out a way to implement work family justice so that way families and families of one can have access to the resources that they need in order to live healthy, thriving lives. Those are the solutions, not Bloom, even though the marketing is like quite cute and it's easier to talk about than say the issues that prevent people from having access to healthy whole foods in the first place. I think what you're also saying is like the large scale systemic solution is definitely not Bloom. But even on an individual level of what you're adding into your diet to, again, shortcut the way that capitalism makes it hard to feed yourself, the solution still isn't bloom. There are so many alternatives that you can go for to get kind of the same nutritional value that you're going to get from bloom by buying frozen fruit or chia seeds if you're looking for fiber. Right. And like, I get it that like, this $40 product that will last a month is going to go further than $40 will at the grocery store. Unfortunately, like what I'm about to say, is not going to be helpful to everyone, but like there are people online who show you how to make nutritious meals with like $40 a month or 10, $15 a week. And those are the accounts that I wish got more shine because I think the other thing to keep in mind here, right, is that the people that Greens Powders purpose to be like helping get like access to like greens, right? Those are not the people buying this shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because they see that it's not like the best use of $40. Like growing up, my granny would, because we grew up poor, my granny wouldn't have bought this. Like (laughs) this is not how we would have combated a food issue if there was one, um, it was the nineties. It was different than things were not as expensive as they are now. Um, but she wasn't going to buy no damn greens powder. <laughs> it would have been seen as a luxury, which is like my point, right? Is that yeah. even amongst like this question about accessibility and fitting something into your schedule, that argument only applies to people who are middle class. I mean, the use of luxury is, I think, a really important one here because I feel like Bloom and the marketing is offering it as a luxury, even as it's theoretically a health product. It's like a little treat yourself, but you're actually treating your body well when it's like, girl, if you want to spend money, just spend money and buy something cheaper to eat. Like, I, you know, like there are ways to have a luxurious experience without buying something that doesn't help you. Use your little fancy bloom whisk to make a matcha latte. Like there are ways to make yourself feel like nice and special without buying into something that doesn't do what it's offering on the tin. Another thing I think you're kind of hitting on, Rachel, is the fact that this is not a meal. 
This is not a meal that you can just have by itself because when we brought up fiber earlier, the issue is that it has so little fiber that you need more than that to consist your entire daily diet of fiber. So Bloom's marketing kind of keeps pushing this idea as like, oh, this is like a supplement, like have your regular fiber with like real foods and drink this. But I think the twist is that a lot of influencers are kind of spinning it as like, no, this is just what I drink for breakfast. That's it. And it's kind of... It's just not getting us where we need to go. And so I guess what's maybe most like depressing about this is the fact that, look, Bloom may be the green powder brand of this year, but they're not going to be the last. And one thing I really loved about your piece, Julia, is that you mentioned that the FDA does not regulate this stuff because supplements are considered to be food products, but they're not drugs or medicines. Therefore, the FDA is not required to verify what's in the supplements, which you brought up earlier. And so this allows companies to just say whatever they want about any product. And it's kind of basically our job as consumers to do the legwork, figure out if this thing will kill us. And sometimes I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to work that hard. And so with all of this in mind, let's say I'm someone who stumbles upon a TikTok. I see this influencer peddling me this powder and I even like consider it for a second. What do you think in your experience looking into this field is important to ask ourselves? What should we maybe try to find out? What should we know before we like press add to cart? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think the biggest thing um, that you're going to want to look for is third party testing. And so if a brand is willing to let these third party testers in to assess their product, and it passes those tests. And so it's NSF International or USP certified. Um, what that means is that the supplement does not have harmful levels of certain contaminants in it and that it actually contains the ingredients listed on the label in the correct amounts that are being presented to the consumer. Um, consumer reports, they also do third-party testing, but I do believe that you have to pay to access some of that information. And so NSF and USP are, you know, just free. You can go into their database systems and look up um, supplements. And so that's going to be probably the most important thing I would say is you really, really want to see those two labels and you'll see one or the other. I don't think you'll see both on the same thing, but you want to see one of those labels on there. And so that way, you know, that at least it doesn't have anything harmful in it. And, you know, like the company has actually put into that product what they are saying is in that product. The caveat is that some companies only certain products that they offer are third-party tested. And so personally, I think that if a company is willing to let some of their products be tested, I am more willing to just use supplements from that company because I know that they're not like worried about like an independent tester coming in and like checking out their stuff. Um, but that is something to keep in mind for people who are more skeptical than I am. Um, and so that is the biggest thing. And the second thing you really want to ask yourself is, do I actually need this? Um, is this filling a gap in my diet? Is this actually like, for instance, like some people might not be getting enough zinc for whatever reason. Um, and so what I encourage people to do is actually look at what you're eating. Like, 
you can kind of do a, if you don't have access to a nutritionist, you can actually just do a quick Google search and be like, oh, so what are like food sources of zinc? And then you can go on Healthline and you can just like see like these are the top 10 food sources for zinc. And if you are eating those 10 things, you don't need a zinc supplement because <laughs> you are getting enough of it. Um, if you're eating like maybe one or none of those things, that might be, you, you know, that might be something that you want to look into, um, especially if you don't like those foods. Right. Um, or like if you're excuse me, if you're vegan, you know, investing in a B supplement, a good B supplement is going to be useful for you. Um, but again, if you're eating like a whole foods, well-rounded diet, the chances are you don't need anything and you're just being influenced by, you know, a good looking person. Um, with a very aesthetic life who is partnering with the brand. That kind of takes us to our last question, which is this feels, I guess, on the surface level different from the kind of diet-based marketing of our kind of mothers and grandmothers. Like we're not getting sold a wagon full of fat, you know? It's very like, hello, this is so healthy. I care about what's in my body. And so I guess I'm curious whether you think there's something about the kind of millennial Gen Z set or the way we live our life now that has kind of convinced us that, you know, these kind of products, green powders, celery juice, whatever, sold by influencers are the solution. Or if it's kind of just the same old, same old weight loss wrapped up in a different veneer. It's, um, it's weight loss in a different veneer. <laughs> Mm -hmm. a big a big um motivator of of wellness is being thin um and it's the language is very different now and so now you'll see things like oh it got rid of my bloating mm -hmm. or oh you know like it just helped my gut health yeah mm -hmm. that's a really big one and because there's enough truth in those statements right like particularly gut health for example like gut health is a real thing like you, you want to take care of your gut. You want to have prebiotics in there and probiotics and, you know, you want to have all that good stuff going on and you want to eat vegetables and, you know, you want to heal your gut lining. Like that's actually a thing. Like these are real things. But then, you know, the health companies get a hold of it and, you know, they bastardize it through mass marketing and it becomes more about how this one product can fix this health issue versus you um, having to assess what type of lifestyle changes you need to make in order to not only improve your gut health, but keep it, you know, keep your gut healthy. Right. Um, and so within all of that, because of marketing, you know, it does give Jenny Craig, it does give Weight Watchers, um, just not as blatantly as it used to. And then, you know, if you want to take it a step further, thinness is very aligned with white supremacy, which is like the thrust of capitalism and wellness is a surefire way to enter the white supremacist pipeline. If you are not careful, um, they use a lot of the same language. And so if you're not careful, you can very, very easily, you know, wind up in a in a space where you don't conform to like the standard U.S. diet and the GMOs and all of this and all of that. And like, 
your purpose is clearly to be thin. And then, you know, like you start talking about femininity coaches and all of that stuff. So it's a, it's a very easy spiral to take if you're not like for people who are susceptible to, um, that messaging. And like, I think this is important to say, like, it's okay to enjoy wellness yeah. stuff. Like, it's okay to do your, your green juices. Like, I make my own at home because I'm not paying somebody $15 for something when I can go to the store and get the ingredients for $15. Like, I'm, I'm not doing that. And so, like, I love green juices and I like, you know, my little rituals and stuff. And I like smoothies. And I really want to try the Haley Bieber one at Aerolon, oh my like God. Because the ingredients, <laughs> it looked like it tastes so good, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it's okay <laughs> to, like, enjoy that stuff. You know, it's just important to find a really good balance so that you're not overcompensating with it in some way. So I think that's important, but I don't want nobody to feel bad about their face mask and their like morning green juice. Like if you can afford it, you know, go ahead. But just know that this is something that's making you feel good. It's probably more psychosomatic than it Mm -hmm. is actually having a physical effect on you. Okay, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. That way, you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review an Apple or Spotify, and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, could I snort bloom? And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, Candice Slim, and me, Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online. Or on the runway.